Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. Here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. We spent time celebrating this past Sunday 10 souls who stepped forward to partake in believers' baptism as they symbolically entered that baptistry to publicly represent what has already happened in their lives. And we were so encouraged. I know I was personally encouraged uh, and exhorted by these testimonies and just was really excited and reminded why we planted this church two years ago, because we want to see more people uh, saved by faith in Christ, the person and work of Christ who died on our behalf and absorbed the penalty of our sin on the cross and was resurrected as proof of his victory over sin, and he calls us to come and follow him. And we saw ten souls uh, do that this past Sunday morning. And then we took a little bit of time to look at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, in a sermon and a message entitled, Unashamed. And here is how that text reads. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And three observations we made from this text in Romans 1 is to recognize if we're not going to be ashamed of the gospel, we can parse that out in in three different phrases. That means, number one, I'm not going to be unashamed of the Messiah. You remember Messiah is the Hebrew word where we get the Greek word Christos, which is where we get the name Christ. And when we say Jesus Christ, remember we're not saying that that's Jesus's last name. We're saying that is his title, that he is the anointed one. He is the chosen one who's come uh, to bring salvation to his people. And so that's what we mean by Messiah. And we're going to be unashamed of the person of Jesus Christ, who he is. And we recognize that is tied into verse 16 of, if I'm unashamed of the gospel and this message, this evangelion, this good news, then that means I'm unashamed about the one to whom this good news is about. And then secondly, we're going to be unashamed of the message. Well, we must recognize uh, that we can't separate the Messiah from the message. They are inextricably linked together, but we do live in a culture who has tried to do that in a number of ways, uh, whether diminishing or uh, trying to uh, highlight certain parts of who Jesus was while diminishing other parts of who Jesus was. We want to, many people in our culture, want to admit of Christ being a good teacher, but not the only means to salvation. And so we must, as we are unashamed of the Messiah, we also have to be unashamed of the message, which is a declaration of who Christ is. And so his message is is linked and connected in every uh, every fiber of its essence to the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at Romans 1.16, and we're unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God 
for salvation. For in it, in verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed. It is revealed through that message. Of course, that message is the person and work of Jesus Christ. But without that message, uh, we would not have codified in words and in Scripture how one must know God through the Messiah. So this message is so important to uh, to the Christian faith that when we, although we can't separate the message from the Messiah, it's important for us to uh, parse it out to say, hey, whatever you think about Christ, you might have to recalibrate your understanding and idea of Christ as you read the message of Scripture. And this is something that all of us must do as we are reading the Bible, whether you're someone who doubts the veracity of Scripture or you're someone who wholeheartedly trusts in Christ that is revealed in Scripture, you're going to find that as you're reading the New Testament that you are going to learn more about who Christ is, and uh, you're going to have to uh, recalibrate your understanding of the, of the message, not of necessary... Well, if you have understood the gospel wrongly, well, of course, reading the gospel is going to help you clarify that. And what I mean is you're going to learn about Christ, and it might have to recalibrate a lot of things that you may have thought about Christ and his message that were not true, or at least were not uh, completely understood. And so the good news about uh, the, the text of Scripture is it's going to help you think rightly about the Messiah and his message. So I'm always encouraged when I look at Scripture, and I think I grasp Jesus. I keep reading Scripture and understand that I have much more to learn about the Messiah and his message. And so it's important for us to say, I'm not going to separate the Messiah from his message. I'm not going to take even the liberal scholarship these days of this uh, this. Uh, side of research called the search for the historical Jesus, which wants to understand Jesus apart from his divinity, because they don't believe he had divinity. Uh, I'm not going to try to understand Jesus apart from this eschatological uh, message. I want to know Jesus is what the uh, those who study the historical Christ, I want to know Jesus apart from those things, just who he was as a historical figure. And we're going to say, well, that's not the Messiah of Scripture, and that's not the message that he came to deliver. I want to know the Christ of the Bible. And so that's why it's important to uh, make sure we're going to the Bible for our understanding of this message. And that's why I do believe that as you are living in our culture, you are, uh, at times, as you open up the pages of the New Testament, uh, your understanding of Christ will be transformed and conformed to uh, the, the message uh, in, found in the New Testament because we're often having to make sure that our own perceptions and our own interpretations are not just that, our own, and that they are from Scripture as it testifies about who Christ is. So, all that being said, we need to be unashamed about that message. Although it may not be popular in our world, it is the means in which God uses to save people. Even as we looked at 1 Corinthians 1, 18-21, saying that it is the word of the gospel, the word of the cross, that is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, this message is the power of God. And I love there in verse 21, where it says that it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. I love it, the simplicity of the gospel as we uh, put it up to the philosophies of our world, to the intellectual elites of our world, that it is the folly of what we preach that saves, uh, that is the means in which God uses to save those who believe. And so we can be unashamed of the message. We don't have to be embarrassed about the carpenter from 
from Israel because we understand who he is as the Messiah. And because of that, we're going to be the last point here, number three, unashamed of the mission. I mean, simply put, you can't be all about Jesus without being all about his mission because he came down incarnate for the mission uh, and he died for the mission. He lived for the mission. He is now exalted at the right hand of God, all for the mission of uh, bringing people unto himself. And uh, it's so much a part of the fabric of Scripture that even Paul to the church in Corinth in his second letter tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. I mean, this is really the the substance of of our uh, mission as uh, people who've been redeemed and we're still alive here on earth today because we're ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. So God isn't making his appeal uh, through other means. Uh, he has chosen as a means uh, t- his people to appeal through us to a lost world that we would go implore people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And that's that mission that Christ gave us in Matthew 28, to go therefore in verse 19 and make disciples of all nations. And like we did this, this last Sunday morning, we're baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in that, we're also going to be teaching people to observe all all that Christ has commanded us, knowing that Christ is going to be with us to the end of the age. And so we want to understand that being unashamed of the gospel is can be parsed out in, in three parts of being unashamed of the Messiah, his message, and his, his mission. And I, I pray and I hope as you guys are looking at your application questions, I hope that you don't confuse the simplicity of some of these questions uh, with being uh, easy. You know, when we look at these questions, they may be simple, uh, but they're meant for you not to make comments on the questions, but to make applications to your own life through these questions. And so even as you read these questions, it's not about commenting on them as maybe somebody who's commenting on uh, scripture and commentaries that we may see or people who are making comments on other books, but you are instead of being an applicator, you're taking the question and you are using the first person. I, me, I'm going to do this. Uh, My life is going to be different this week because of this. We're going to apply it to ourselves. And so, you know, even in question 2A that says, what does being unashamed of Jesus look like practically for you this week? And so we're not going to use second uh, person. We're not going to say you or they or we're going to say I, for some reason, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to be unashamed this week? What is that practice going, going to look like for my calendar and my schedule and my relationships and my conversation? And so I want to encourage you guys, be applicators. Use I, me. It's, it's interesting and ironic that we don't always encourage you to make things about you. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Scripture tells us not to make things about ourselves, but when it comes to applying Scripture, Uh, God is all for us saying, this is what we are going to do. I, me, uh, he, God wants us to look at scripture and say, how am I going to apply this? And so I want to encourage you, make sure you aren't just commenting on these and answering them simplistically, but getting into those questions and fleshing out how your life can apply uh, these questions. Uh, I think question number three, which you're going you're gonna to read First Thessalonians 2.13, and then our main text, Romans 1.16 and 17, and you're going to answer this question. How can you be tempted in our day to downplay the critical position the gospel should have on your daily schedule? And so we're going to look at the temptations 
that we have really not to think much about the gospel message today or tomorrow or the next day. Like, what are the temptations? What's going on in our lives that cause us often to downplay this critical position the gospel should have in our daily schedule? And then follow up that question with, you know, how how am I going to overcome that temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit? And what practical things am I going to uh, do in my life that I that I won't be tempted? And if I am tempted, I can overcome this uh, this temptation of downplaying this position and putting the gospel where it needs to be in my daily schedule. So maybe don't just answer it in the negative, but also answer it in the positive. Like, how am I going to overcome that temptation this week? And I think question number four is very helpful. Second Corinthians five seventeen uh, through chapter six verse one, talking about being ambassadors and imploring people to be reconciled. That idea of being the official representatives. Of, of God, and then that mission statement of all mission statements in Matthew 28 that tells us to go make disciples would be the two texts you'll read in question four. And then the question is, what kinds of sacrifices are necessary in your life if you're going to make the mission of Christ your main priority? Again, let's ask ourselves um, pretty pointedly, how am I going to apply this to my life? What does this look like? What sacrifices do I have to make if I'm going to ensure that the mission of Christ is my main priority? And you got to know that, that Jesus, his, this mission was his priority. Uh, even as you read in the Gospels, when there's a lot going around in, in Jesus' life, and there's a lot of people coming to him, and he set his face towards Jerusalem. I love that because it shows that I'm here for this one mission. And this one mission is I'm headed to Jerusalem to die on a cross for the sins of the world. And I love it even as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying uh, and, and he's in great grief and despair, and he's going to his father saying, if you will remove this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. It's this idea that he understood uh, very clearly that the sacrifices are necessary to keep the mission, to prioritize the mission. And so and, and like Christ, how are, we, uh, how are we going to sacrifice, and what are the sacrifices necessary if we're going to stay focused on the mission of Christ? Uh, question number one, I want to go back to those baptisms. Question number one, you're going to be asked to think about these baptisms uh, and to, uh, to, to share the encouragement that you receive from these baptisms. You know, which ones stood out to you the most? Which ones encouraged you and exhorted you the most? And I just want to encourage your life groups as you guys meet this week to take time to talk about those baptisms, to think about this as an ordinance. This is one of those things that God ordained, uh, and that Christ, uh, while he was here, ordained us to say, we are going to do this regularly throughout history until Christ returns. We're going to be baptizing people as a symbolic representation of, uh, of the salvation we've received in Christ. So take time to think about uh, this uh, ritual that we do, this symbolic ritual that symbolizes salvation. And if you have some questions, I'll give you a couple of resources that I think may be just uh, ultimately helpful for you as you're thinking through baptism and you're thinking through what it means. I'll give you three books. Number one is Baptism, The Believer's First Obedience by Larry Dyer. This is a, a resource we give to everyone who goes through our baptism process and our as they meet with the pastor, we give them uh, two resources, and this is one of them. It's actually my favorite book on baptism uh, because it's pretty concise but it really dives into the way the word baptizo is used in the New Testament to describe a number of different uh, immersions or being plunged into. I, I think of the 
uh, baptism of repentance that John the Baptist um, ad- administered. I think even the baptism of Jesus, which was quite different uh, than anyone else's baptisms ever because he was baptized to uh, associate with sinful humanity. So that's a different uh, usage of baptism. Obviously, the baptism of water that symbolically represents uh, being placed into Christ, which brings up that fourth uh, baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is being placed into Christ. I then am, am baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then even that fifth kind that we don't really talk about very much, but Scripture does talk about this baptism of fire that is being placed into judgment. And so those baptisms are talked about uh, pretty clearly uh, and described and explained, I think, in a helpful manner in that book. A second book is Believer's Baptism by Tom Schreiner. It's actually a much more dense book. Uh, for those of you bookworms, it talks a lot about the history of baptism, even across denominations, and uh, it gives an apology, which is a defense for why we don't baptize infants. Uh, and also gives us some helpful guidelines, even as we practice baptism in the local church in our day in the 21st century. But a really good book, I think, is helpful and adds value uh, in, its, uh, in its category. And then a third book that I want to encourage parents to read uh, is uh, Your Child's Profession of Faith by Dennis Gunderson. I think is a helpful book that gets us thinking rightly about our child's profession of faith. There's always a lot of questions like, you know, how do I go about uh, being cautious about my child's proclivity to just please me as the parent? And if I love Christ, they're going to love Christ uh, because they want to please me. How do I go about, you know, uh, my child's profession of faith when I want them to love God? And they tell me they are professing faith, and I don't want to squash that, but I also don't want to give false assurance. And there's a, I think it's a really good question that you have to wrestle with as a parent, and I think this book, Your Child's Profession of Faith by Dennis Gunderson, would be a helpful resource for you as you're thinking through how to lead your child in that season of their life. All right, church, we have a few announcements that you have heard this last weekend, but maybe would be helpful if we go over them just uh, uh, one more time. We have our women's breakfast on October the 28th, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. It's always wonderful to get our women together. They can exercise verses like Titus 2, how we are as, as a church supposed to encourage our women to encourage one another, to build one another up. So from sixth grade on up, we encourage all you gals to gather together October the 28th from 9 a.m. to 11 for our women's breakfast. We have our final Exploring Compass coming up of 2023, and those are on November the 12th and the 19th. Registrations remain open for that, but it's filling up, so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, go ahead and sign up for our last Exploring Compass of the year. And finally, I want to announce a cool new student event that we have coming up called Come and See. Uh, This is an outreach event where all junior high and high school students are invited to a Saturday night event and each student will have uh, dinner. They're going to play a lot of fun group games, and there will be a time of preaching by Pastor Evan. It's our first event of this type at our church, and it will be Saturday, October the 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. We are going to encourage each student to bring others with them as they learn more about God, which is the topic of the sermon on that night, is God the creator of the universe. And so I hope that you can you know, partner with your teens, if, if you're listening to this and you have teenagers, to partner with them to invite other people to come hear the good news of the gospel as we think rightly about God, who is the creator of the universe. Until next time, Compass, I'm grateful for you guys, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.